What's up, you guys? This is Maxime from the future. Wanted to give you a heads up that this episode is longer than our recent off-season pods, but we were having so much fun with KP and Matt that we couldn't help going a bit longer than usual. KP, of course, needs no introduction from me, but wanted to give you a heads up that we brought in our boy and Patreon supporter Matt to talk through his recent breakdown on the Huddle blog of the Warriors' upcoming schedule. Lots of good insight in there, so stick around after the 45-minute mark to make sure you catch his takes, too. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You're in. Warriors huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but joining me per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime, I am fired up to announce that rejoining us after way too long, Yahoo Sports College and NBA guru, a draft insider who has spent countless seasons developing more background, relationships, experience, and knowledge than anyone anywhere within the sports media landscape, a real hoophead who probably covered the rise of your favorite NBA star before you even knew their name and the newest and apparently most distinguished member of Utah's hiking scene, Miss Kristen Peak. What's going on, KP? Wasatch Wednesdays. It's where it's at, you guys. It's, you know, most people in their off the, during the off season, they go to Europe. They go to a nice island. I don't know what what the Warriors did this year, or they they're in LA doing NBA runs at UCLA. No, what did I do? I'm like, well, I'm in Utah, so I might as well take up hiking, and that's what I did. I mean, let's set the bar a little bit higher, Kristen. Here is a text I have in front of me. Quote, I'm telling you, dot, 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 taking up hiking this summer supersedes any dating story I've ever had in Utah. As somebody who has basically helped host the KP's dating podcast in Utah, that's a high bar, man. So, I mean, what's going on? Okay, okay, all right. First first hike I ever went on with this group. It's literally like, it's a whole thing on Facebook. There's like four and a half thousand people that are part of this group. Only about 15 really show up every Wednesday. So I like show up and it's raining and I, and me and my bougie self, I'm like, well, clearly we're not going to hike in the rain. Uh, wrong. We're like three miles in on this hike and it's, you know, probably like eight miles round trip. And this isn't just like a stroll in the park. These guys are like actual like hardcore hikers. I didn't know this. So we're three miles in and it's like pouring rain. And then it starts lightning. And I'm like, what is going on? And the the guide, the main guy that like leads the whole group, he's like, oh, nothing like a summer storm. No. And I'm like, are these people nuts? Why are we still hiking? And I was like, uh, I'm going to turn back around. And so then I had to hike three more miles down the canyon in the rain. But that's not the story. Bram, you know the story. I want to tell everyone. But I have too many follow-ups. Okay, we'll okay, get okay. to that second story on this first one. So you decide you were the only person who turns around three miles he, in. Well, no, no, no. This other guy decided to turn around because he didn't want me hiking alone, which is a good segue to the next story. But yeah. you yes. mean that other guy decided to try to hit on you and walked back with you. So I'm, I'm anxious to see your, like how that ultimately played out. But when you returned to the group in between whatever we're going to find out about that guy who followed you back, is it hard to rejoin a group of hikers who you've just been like, no, fuck you. I'm turning around. This is way too serious. And three and a half miles is too long to be in thunderstorms. No, because they're all from Utah and they all are like the happiest people in the entire world. They're just like, okay, nice to meet you. See you next week. And I'm just like, all right, crazy people. I guess we're doing this. All right. Give us a second half of the story. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. So then the next week, you have to understand in Utah, there's three separate canyons for like skiing and hiking, right? And there's Mill Creek Canyon. Once you get into Mill Creek Canyon, you lose all cell service. Okay. The next canyon over is called Big Cottonwood Canyon. You still have cell service there. And then the next one farthest down is Little Cottonwood Canyon. You have cell service there. So of course, of course, this hike is in Mill Creek. And I'm like driving up there and I lose all cell service. Um, and But whatever, we're hiking this hike called Dog Lake. And I was like, oh, great, Gary, maybe I can bring him up here sometime. So there's no parking. We're already waiting like 20 extra minutes for people to start. And I was like so annoyed. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get a head start. So I start with this other girl. We hike to Dog Lake. It's three miles to the lake. And then everyone else started like trickling in. And I was just like so annoyed because I actually wanted to get it, it made me start to miss Gary and so my dog. So I was like, I'm going to leave early and get back down. And I said, what's the fastest way down? They're like, okay, you go this way and then you turn left and it'll take you right back to the cars. And I was like, great. So I start, I take off by myself. And mind you, this is a night hiking group. We start at six o'clock and, and it like the sun's <laughs> out until about 8.30. And so I'm like, it's seven ish. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make it back in record time, whatever. So I start hiking back down. Uh, side note, I did not turn left, kept going straight. And I'm, I'm like two and a half miles down the mountain. And all of a sudden my phone dings and I was like, oh, that's weird. I have service again. And I look, and then I look down and I was like, oh, I don't recognize that road. Weird. I, I must be close. So I open up my map. I'm on the other side of the canyon. Oh my God. Two and a half miles. And so then a runner is coming down the mountain and I stop him and I was like, is there another way back to the Mill Creek parking lot? And he's just like, what? No, you have to go back up to Dog Lake and then back down the other side. And I was like, oh God. Okay. So then I like call my sister-in-law and I was like, I have one bar and I was like, hey, it's going to be another three hours. Can you go get Gary? Um, if you don't hear from me from a, at a, by 11 o'clock, and then it clicked. No. Yeah. So I start booking it back up to Dog Lake so I can hike the three miles down to my car in the dark. All I have is my cell phone flashlight. I'm by myself. So then I get up to Dog Lake and I see two other headlamps. And this is where people are like, oh, KP, stranger danger. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, other people, they have headlamps. Yeah. Great. They were two guys. So I was like, hey, and they had two dogs. I was like, hey, are you guys going back down this way? They're like, yeah. Um, they're like, oh, are you the white Tesla? We parked right next to you. I was like, great. So then we start hiking down and they have light. They have dogs. They're very nice people. And they're like, what do you do, Kristen? And I said, oh, I'm a sports writer. What do you cover? The NBA. One of the guys goes, is your last name Peak? <laughs> and I was like, what? And he goes, I read your stuff all the time. I'm like, what is happening of all the people? And then the other guy ended up being a Warriors fan. So I was telling him about your Let's guys' go. podcast. So he's like, well, now I have to listen. And I said, yeah, it's great. I go on there and I talk about how horrible Utah is. <laughs> Definitely listen to, to the podcast. Is that guy, is he from Utah? Yes. Derek yep. and Greg were their names. They were so nice and lovely and normal and not stranger danger at all. But a Six mile hike ended up being 12 miles. And I called my sister in law at 10:58. And she's like, I was getting worried. I didn't know what to do. Okay. So, moral of the story, 
stay with the group. Stay with the group. Don't you wrap it up as if I don't have a bunch of follow-up questions. Let's start here. Derek and Greg, which one is the Warrior fan? Uh, Greg. Greg is the Warriors fan. And Greg, we clearly prefer you. You are a very good person. And if I've ever said anything bad about Utah in the past, I immediately take it back. <laughs> uh, the You realize that you're lost, right? Or I mean, I guess you didn't even realize. You you see on your phone now, I am way past I, my I, I'm the idiot. I thought my phone was wrong. I was like, no, that blue dot can't be me. <laughs> what are you like, Pocahontas? Like, how would you know how the hell you were without your phone, dude? So... <laughs> When that happens, when suddenly satellites confirm you've been going the wrong direction, panic? Like, what happens for you? Because that that's a – now that we know you're fine, you know, right. it, it's, a, it's a fun story. But when it's right. happening, that's terrifying, man. Like, how, how does that play out for you? Okay. I will say this, and this is horrible. It got to – I had pl- I had plenty of water. I had food. I had a jacket. I had bug spray. Um, the only thing I didn't have was light, and that can get really trippy – when you're hiking in the dark. Yeah, so when, it gets, sure. when it gets dark in Utah, in the mountains, it gets dark. Like you think this little flashlight or whatever is like powerful when you're in your room and it like blinds you in the eye by accident. No, it does nothing, nothing in the mountains. So that like when I got back to Dog Lake where I was originally and it was pitch black, it was like 9, 15, 9, 30. I had this one thought where I didn't see the two other guys yet. I thought, I know where I am here. I know I'm safe-ish, maybe. Maybe I just sleep here under the stars. But then it's like, okay, what about wildlife? Like, what sort of wildlife is out here? Am I going to get eaten alive by bugs? So, but, and then I tell my sister-in-law that. She's like, what? You were going to spend the night by yourself in the mountains with no cell service? I'm like, yeah, that's pretty stupid. No, won't ever do that again. I I feel you though, Christian, because what you'd be worried about is if I start walking, what if I'm just putting myself deeper into problems? Like if I don't know where I'm going, you know, the only place worse than being in this parking lot is being in a spot that nobody can find me, you know, without any reception. Like, fuck that. I, I support the call. Um, there is a better than 50% chance Maxime is hearing this and it just sounds like an incredible vacation to him. You know, like that, like <laughs> that's the kind, like he would purposely get lost in the mountains so that he could experience this. Uh, whereas for me, love hiking, on board for it across the, you know, across everything. I'm such a control freak that getting lost, what a nightmare. Like there's no way I would enjoy that. Uh, Maxime, am I off or does this sound like just a solid evening? Yeah, I went through all that thought process as this was going down. And and I and I do think at the end of it, showing back up at Dog Lake at nine o'clock at night and it being pitch black before you see the other headlamps, that would not be a great time. And I and I think I would have come to the same conclusion. But my question is, Kirsten, do you now know like what wildlife are we talking about? Around the Bay Area, oh. we're worried about like mountain lions and there's legitimate fears, but even just getting eaten alive by bugs would be pretty shitty. I know. And, and that we had already seen, like I had already seen a couple deer on my way back up to dog Lake. And then I, like I've seen in past hikes, cause people are like, I can't believe you're still hiking. Like some people would be like, I'm never hiking again. And I'm like, well, let's go next week. Where are we going? Uh, but we've seen moose, oh. we've seen, um, coyotes and not mountain lions. Yeah, oh my so God. Not- you've seen mountain lions. Hold on. What the hell did you start that list with deer for? <laughs> Of all those the things like, that you've seen, like the, the like when you ones. said deer, I was like, "Oh, she's never seen anything." You've seen a fucking mountain lion out there, and you continue yeah. to hike. Yeah, they're 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 far away. They're and like I said, when you stay with the group, which is now the mantra forever <laughs> and ever, 
I send I send a picture of the group picture to my brother and sister all the time in a group text in all caps. And I'm like, I stayed with the group. <laughs> absolutely should. Let the record reflect that if I saw like a banana slug, I may not leave the group. So you are absolutely more brave than me. Final hiking question. And I'm going to bring us all the way back to the first hike you told us about. So that dude decides, you say, look, I don't want to do this. Three hours, I'm going back. That guy says, I don't want you to be alone. I'm going to walk with you. When you heard that, were you annoyed? Like, if, if it's me, now I have to talk to that person for the it, next it, I, hours, I just wanted to, put, I wanted to put my, yes, I wanted to put my AirPods in and not <laughs> listen to him or like pretend that I care who he is and get to know him. But <laughs> then I was stuck like, oh, where are you from? Oh, oh Canada. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, you, you have to pretend like you appreciate it too. You know, like, oh, yeah. like you're coming with me. But meanwhile, I don't need you. I don't need I know, you at he, all. I felt was, totally comfortable. He was like, he was like, oh, look at this flower. This is so-and-so. Look at this plant. And he was oh like God. picking leaves. And I'm just like, shut up, dude. Can we please get back to the car? Dude, by the second time he identified a plant, I'm like, you know what? Let's just catch up to the group. Like, it is what it is. Like, I'll just, <laughs> it's an eight-hour hike? Like, fine. Like, I don't. Fine. How would I pay you $10,000 to never identify another plant as we walk back to this fucking car? If that's, uh, if that's okay. Um, well, I. Off season. Well, then, and then, I mean, and, no, and then I told you guys I hiked a mountain, right? And like it was great. And I was by far the best one because I was in hiking shape. But out of the five girls that came with us, uh, one of them, it was she's never hiked a day in her life. She was a first time hiker. And we hiked 16 miles up a freaking mountain. And I'm just like, by by on our way down, three miles down, like left, I was like, I'm out. And I just booked it to the car. I'm like, I don't care about this car anymore. Like I, and they're like, oh, your patience must have really been tested. And I was like, yeah, I was MFing her under my breath the entire time while my sister-in-law and her friend were like, you're doing great. Good job. And I'm like the worst friend ever. Like, God, can we go? <laughs> you're doing great for someone I hate. You know, yeah. like, good job by going hell of slowly. I think we know I can associate with that in a heartbeat. Uh, Maxine, are you going to join the group? Do you think you can get out to Utah and and start exploring the hills the way that Kristen has or what? Wasatch yeah. Wednesdays, Maxine. I'm down. This sounds yeah. great, but I will be staying with the group. <laughs> yes. That is the lesson we've all learned this off season is always stay with the group. <laughs> I was interested too. You told me about all the dangerous deer out there and then I decided could not go in that direction. Let's talk basketball, you guys. So Kristen, we've been doing kind of the same types of segments during the off season. I got a golden question that was written specifically for you. And then I've got a couple of nope, yep questions. And I don't think we've done with you, but the idea behind it isn't in particularly complicated. I'll basically give you a question and you answer either yep or no. But before we get there, so we always have you on. We always briefly talk about how you've covered all these people before they get anywhere close to the NBA, but we never really get to explore it, right? Because it's a warrior show. And so collegiate or prep hoop isn't normally our focus. We've got some space today. It's an off-season episode. So I've got all these things that have kind of been floating around in my mind since we've had you on, but I never got a chance to, to ask them to you. So let's jump in. And here's the first. When you're evaluating a prospect, um, in fact, here, let's set up a little uh, foundation, a little setup. How long have you been doing this? How long have you been covering prep basketball? 10 years. Okay. So after a decade, right? After watching a decade's worth of younger players come through gyms and seeing what plays out and what doesn't, now when you go in and evaluate a player, what are you looking for? Like what, what sticks out for you 
that telegraphs, oh, this guy or girl has a has a real bright future? Uh, well, we are now seeing it in the NBA length, 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 how okay. long they are. Um, and also, if you have that length, how skilled you are with your hands. Like if you you can be super tall, but if you can't catch the basketball or do anything off the dribble, then you are a waste of space. So you're looking at length. You're looking at uh, also just upside in terms of this. This sounds horrible for me to say, especially as a female evaluating young men, but just like uh, youth features, right? Mm -hmm. So if they still look their age, because, you know, sometimes we see a kid and we're like, there's no way he's 16. He looks like he's 24. <laughs> so because then you know that there's still more room for growth. You know, so you're looking at that, wow. you're looking at coachability, you're looking at, do they have that dog mentality? Like how tough are they really, you know, and then defending or defensive wise, can they guard multiple positions or are they just strictly a five or strictly a point guard, you know, cause to be successful now, not only at the collegiate level, but the NBA level, you got to have versatility. So those are kind of like the benchmarks. Tell me more about youth features, because I was going to ask you, how do you know when you can do the evaluation? Because some of these guys, you know, they'll grow four inches suddenly yeah. between like freshman and sophomore year. Do, are there tools in your bag? I mean, it sounds like it. It sounds like you're looking. There are. And they're, they're like really stupid things like facial hair or even like hair on the legs or, you know, stuff like that. Like just stupid stuff where you can see that they're maturing quick, quicker than their peers. Yep. Right. So. But know. it I also, also sounds like you also you don't want them to look like a grizzled vet either because it suggests that they're still you know yeah that they're a couple more inches like exactly, yeah exactly still coming. yeah um, how quickly can you tell you know for like the LeBrons of the world or or be not we don't have to go generational talent for people who are going to be real difference makers in the NBA how quickly can you tell when you see them at the lower level up oh, this this person is going to make a difference. Well, history has shown that uh, we're getting it wrong more than we're getting it right, right? Like you look at Monty Bates, you look yeah. at Mikey Williams, those guys were highly touted as 14, 15-year-olds, and they got too overhyped too soon. And we see that, I mean, I, was, I would even say a little bit with Bronny. Bronny was a little bit overhyped, uh -huh. uh, especially going into this freshman year, and thank God he's going to be okay, and it looks like he's going to hit the court at some point this season, but you know, putting these expectations on these players at such a young age is, is so reckless. And, and I'm even dealing it now. Like I'm in, you guys know this, I'm in Las Vegas, checking out the G league ignite. They've got eight young guys that are draft eligible this year Two that, you know, um, different mock drafts have them myself included in the top five, top three spots and watching them the last couple of days. It's like, okay, maybe they need a little bit more development than we thought. Mm. You know, so it's it's almost like it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. You always want to say, oh, yeah, I was right about him. I was right. But everyone knew Zion Williamson was going to be Zion right. Williamson. What we yeah. saw from him, you know, in his sophomore, junior year in high school, like that stuff, you know, you just know. But were we wrong about Marvin Bagley? Were we wrong about Harry Giles? Yes, because injuries got the best of them and they're not necessarily panning out in the NBA. I would even go to say that we were wrong about Trey Young because we – looked at him only for his size only and not what he could do off the dribble and how quickly he could get shots off. So there's always going to be those players that we miss on. But yeah, like Victor Wimbanyama, Scoot Henderson, Zion Williamson, like Luka Doncic, like those are surefire. You cannot miss on those type of guys. 
have you ever seen expectations either hurt or help somebody? You know, like so, like you, you, you watch a player, you develop your own opinion, then somebody else puts them in yeah. a top five list. They shouldn't be there. You know, have you seen them? Their self opinion goes up higher than it should, or when it doesn't work out, their disappointment that they didn't meet it. I mean, that how do these expectations impact the actual play on the floor? It a hundred percent impacts every aspect of their game, every aspect of their recruitment, because once they get overhyped by media or or different people, like you have to understand, is like if if one blue blood, if a, a high major team offers you know, Cooper flag, then it's the domino effect. And, and Cooper is as good as I think people think he is, but, and so that's not going to be a problem, but the same thing happened with Amani Bates when he was being called the next Kevin Durant, the greatest thing since LeBron James, then it's like, okay, his dad took control, shut everyone out, shut everyone down, started making horrible decisions for his future reclassing up to go play for Penny Hardaway. That didn't work out. Hmm. Transferring to Eastern Michigan, he gets caught with the gun charges in his car. That didn't work out. He didn't have a great season. He ended up being a second-round pick. Had a great summer league, but he wasn't that bona fide star that we all thought he was going to be at 14 and 15. Um, So this next one, you can keep names out, all right? Uh, But what always entertains me is the recruiting process. Because we're talking millions, tens of millions of dollars, you know, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars, depending on the player. You, you land somebody and now, you know, it, it not only solidifies the coach's job going forward, but is bringing in unbelievable money for that athletic department. And so when they're recruiting these players, you know, ostensibly, I imagine, oh, we're giving you a free education, but everybody knows it's way, way, way more than that, you know, and movies like he got game or documentaries everywhere have me all excited for like the nasty underbelly of this, you know, what kind of shady shit is offered to these guys to get their name on the dotted line. So going back to where I started this long ass question, no names. We're not throwing anyone under the bus, no specifics, nothing like that, but just generalities. What is some of the shady stuff you've seen as far as like recruitment violations and you know, that, that uh, storyline. I mean, I'll say this, the fact that NIL is now so prevalent in recruiting these days, and it's still, I think, the wild, wild west, violations, it's a a gray area because they can disguise it with NIL opportunity. And so we're not going to hear those shady, shady stories from different universities and what they, what the hoops they jump through to get that certain player. But I mean, do you know, you know? I don't even I, like it's it's I think shady to me is the things that schools do to get the kids, the players, the high, high recruit players not to go to a different school. So the way that they bash other coaches and other oh. universities to try to make themselves look better. Mm-hmm. And like that can go one or two ways that can backfire. And that player and that that family can be like, well, you guys are assholes. No other team did this except uh, yeah. you. Like, we're going to go to this university because they're, you know, they're tried and true. But, um, gosh, I don't, I mean, back in the day, you used to see like shoebox deals happening, handshake deals. Like, you, you're not allowed to talk to players, um, during certain dead periods, but a certain coach just happened to show up at a top level recruits mom's restaurant, you know. 2000 miles out of the way and just happened to be in town. So it's like 
stuff like that and 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 overgiving a tip like tipping 500% on a yeah. <laughs> a meal, you know what I mean? Sure. So little stories like that, but I don't I haven't heard many recently about, you know, shady stuff cuz you can there's so many different opportunities with NIL. Well, and and if you are the NC2A or any collegiate governing body, you want to make it as gray as possible, not black and white, so that you know stars continue to come to your league, and you're not having major uh, scams or or major stories go you know go everywhere. So that makes perfect sense to me, uh, Maxime. If you were a like five star top flight, everybody wants you recruit. Would you play it like right, you know, and just go to the school that that recruited you as legally as possible? Or would you be susceptible to the shoebox filled with, you know, I don't know, seven, eight figures? I a hundred percent would be. I think the thing that's interesting about this and kind of to KP's point is I feel like especially when you're in high school, it's also so much about the parents and and like that relationship, you know, and like my parents for sure would be by the book, like Oh, they badmouth you? We're definitely not going there. And I would be the one that was kind of wanting to take the money. So I think a lot of my moral values were set in that period um, where things are now flipped for me. But yeah, high school me, I'm taking that shoebox. <laughs> There's a 30 for 30 um, podcast out right now about some recruiting violations I've been listening to. They did a great job with it. And what they left me with, the impression I had, was that if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Um, and that if you really want to have big name recruits come in and bless your campus, you better be coming out of pocket and be ready to give them the kind of um, upsides that they expect. And so if I was in that environment and everybody's getting paid, man, you know, including the university I'm going to, would I be willing to take that? Yes, I would. So, you know, to nobody's surprise. How about you, Christian? I see you play. Uh, neither answer would surprise me. You are hella competitive and I can see you doing the like, look, these are this is the game I found. I am adding a lot to your program. Let's get those benefits. Or I can see the other side of you just playing it straight. These are the rules. You know, I it, I didn't make them up, but I'll play by them. All right. Well, if this was Kristen back in high school. And like you said, if my parents were making the decisions, it would be by the book. Now being in grassroots and seeing how things really operate and seeing who gets what. And if I'm a top recruit and I know that this player got so and such and such money and such and such promise to him or her, and I'm better than them, then I want to be compensated Let's go. more or even <laughs> to the point of that. You know what I mean? Like I can remember, I'll tell you guys a story without saying any names or alluding to anything, but um, there was a uh, head coach, a college head coach, and he was asking me about some player who was a top player he, and he ended up going to a different school. It's like, KP, how much do you think they, hmm. they did, they, you know, paid him. What do they, what do they promise him? I was like, I heard it was this much. And the head coach turned to his sister. He's like, we lost out on so-and-so to this place for that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> like, That's a joke. <laughs> How well known are the numbers? If some of you don't, know, so, again, you numbers, but... so the numbers, like I said, like it's all, it's all now, um, now all by the book because oh, of NIL, but I saw, I saw, um, I, I think it was the athletic. There were two writers at the athletic that pulled different universities and different coaches. And they said, okay, if you're a top 10 prospect, how much are you expecting huh. to get NIL money at, you know, um, a power five conference or whatever. And it was, I think like, and this might be for football. I don't know if this is for basketball as well, but it was like 300,000 for the top, top players 
And then all the way down to, you know, a four star, whatever was making a hundred K 75 K. Wow. So that's, that's still a lot. There's, there's a lot of money to be made in the NIL space. Last question in this place. Um, how emotionally invested do you get? And so I, we've got peaks, right? I, I know I've asked you about the draft. I've asked you about after draft where you've come in and I loved your response because I could associate with it where you make sure the player sees you in their NBA arena, but you may not be in the crowd once the game starts. You may get the hell out right. of there and go do something else, right? So after you've covered a player, do you, uh, is there an emotional connection with them? Like, do you continue to follow them along and and I don't know, have some dog in, in their fight? Of course I do, Bram. Do you not know me? I have no life. I watch basketball and I hang out with Gary and now apparently I hike in the off season. That's it. So like the more players that make the NBA, the more I'm watching at the high school level, at the college level, and now the NBA level. So I'm like fully invested, right? To the point where it's like, I get offended when players that I've known since they were like 14, when they unfollow me on social media, I'm like, I thought, oh, you should. I thought be. we were cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would hell have bothered me. Like, Calvin, Carol, what did I ever do to you? Why did you unfollow me? <laughs> I've been looking for a place to drop this text in. Let's do it now. Quote, text, while everyone else is out barbecuing and spending time with family today, I'm in the gym checking out potential number one pick, Matas Bruzelis. Bruzelis. Good job. I, Good like, job. I even added like a little like a flair to the pronunciation. He's from Chicago, but it's fine. I know it's, it's, it's a tricky name because his parents are Lithuanian or his dad, his dad is. And so he has a Lithuanian name, but he is uh, born and raised in Chicago, played high school ball at a uh, sunrise Christian in Kansas. So he's as American as they come. If you could have paused right in between me saying it, you saying good pronunciation and then asked me, where do you think he's from? I don't know how many guesses it would have taken before I said Chicago, but I don't like there's if you would be like Chicago, Lithuania, I'm like, oh, I didn't know there was a Chicago out there. Like that made <laughs> hell of sense. So shocking. Um, and I'll have everybody know that when this text was exchanged and Maxine was on it, they gave me just merciless shit about my inability to pronounce the last name. And I think I came close. So yes. F both of you, I was right there. All right, to our Warriors. Okay, so nope, yeah, nope. Kristen, easy segment. I'm going to okay. give you a question. Nope. You answer it with either a yep or a nope. We're going to nope. be dealing with your experience with the Warriors, younger players, so you know I got a Kaminga question for you, but I'm going to start it. here, okay? Will Moses Moody average a combined 15 points and rebounds next season? What do you think? So you're saying like eight points, Seven Whatever, rebounds seven rebounds. Eight, eight, yeah, and any any combination that would get them above 15, do you think the average will get above that number? Uh, to give you time to think, because I'm spreading there, I'm springing this on you. Maxime, what do you got? Yep or nope on that? <laughs> yeah, to give her time to think, you're springing it on me. Nice, uh, I appreciate that. Um, it, it's it's all a question of um, of time spent Maxime, on the Maxime, he just explained the game. Yep or nope, and you're going on. <laughs> Let's go. Love KP. <laughs> Uh, uh, yep. Nope. Ooh. <laughs> Give me more. Why? Why no? Uh, you got Chris Paul coming in, right? Like he's obviously, he's going to be more of the secondary guy. You're not going to disrupt anything with the clay and stuff thing in the backcourt. Um, and so I, I feel like with Chris, yes, that's going to open up opportunities for Moses on the perimeter to shoot. But also I think there are other guys that will probably have more touches than Moses in the secondary offense. 
This is a perfect transition to something I've been thinking about, but didn't plan on asking. And I'm really glad you said that because I know, you, you know, the game we've set that up, but you know, Chris Paul specific and shit, you just went to his camp. So I did. You, you, you've been in his headspace recently. Um, I am in the process of talking myself into being a giant CP3 fan, right? Looking for any rock I can uncover and then look for positivity. That's where I'm doing. Here's where I've, I've stumbled onto. We focus only on the first and the last portions of his career. We don't look at the middle part. And I think the middle part is where he could help us the most. In the front part, that's the CP3 God, you know, point guard portion. That's when he's in New Orleans um, and he's establishing all the things that made him a legend. He's not there anymore. In the last part, it was title chasing. We saw him do it in Houston. We saw him do it more recently uh, in Phoenix, where he's asked to play a pretty large role on a team that has really high expectations. I'm not sure that's where he's going to go either on this next one. In between, in between, he goes to OKC, where they had no expectations. The reason he was there is that the Clippers just tried to give him up. They wanted Paul George. He's on a young team without real high expectations, and he spends that time developing their youth, being a leader, you know, pushing them forward. And suddenly this team that nobody thought shit about was on the doorstep during the playoffs, and it became this really important springboard. That's why the last part of Chris Paul's career happened. Suddenly we all remembered who the hell he was, and the contenders came back calling. That's, Christian, what we need for the second unit. Second half, you know, second portion of the career, Paul. And so... When you start talking about Moses, you know, and I got a question for JK, what I'm hoping is that that's who CP3 wants to be, you know, that he can come in and, and really make a difference with this second unit and then, you know, close out games for us. Am I being ridiculous with that? You know, like, is that me trying too hard? Is that possible? No, it's not. And and like, here's the thing I'll say about Chris Paul. Okay, don't act like he's not coming to the Warriors still ring chasing because that's exactly what he's doing. Yep. Okay, yeah, but yep. he understands like he's he's a lot older. What is he? Thirty eight. So he understands right. like his role is going to be. He's not going to be the guy. And I think he's gotten to a point where he's fine with that. Yep. And the thing I'll say with Moses and J.K. is. You know, Chris is great. Like, he's got his team CP3. He's always at Peach Jam. He's always trying to pour into these kids, you know, and, and try to en enrich his wisdom of all the years that he's had in the NBA as a primary ball handler. But when you look at where Mo and JK are in their NBA career, I don't know if they fit mm. that youth mold. Like, there might be some power struggle in the sense it's like, we're not rooks anymore, bro. Yeah. Like, you don't you don't come in here and tell mm. us what we're due. Like we've been in this system longer than you have. Like, even though he is a long-term NBA vet, yep. there might be a little bit of struggle. Like, hello, we saw it with yeah. Draymond and JP. Yep. You yeah, know, it, it's, 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 they don't want to be patted on the head. You know, they, they don't right. need attaboys right now. Right. Mm. Right. But, um, like I, I do think I, Chris is, he's, he's very, he's a great leader. He, um, He's not, I mean, I know people think he's so hot-headed because he's always complaining to the rest about every single call, but in the sense where it's like, I've seen him behind closed doors and how much he loves this game and how much he wants to try to pour into other players. Like he brought like at his CP3 camp, it was only guards, right? Like it was a guard focused camp, but he brought NBA players to come scrimmage against these high school and college oh. players. So they had like five on five runs with DeMar DeRozan. Kobe White was there. Who else was there? It was him, uh, Devin Booker. So it was like, I mean, it was, it was good talent. Um, none of his Warriors teammates were there. 
who were also <laughs> not sure you had to point the that off out. season um, in Los Angeles, but uh, you know, not not saying anything about that. You guys, you guys, I'm not I'm not a Warriors expert. I don't know anything about. I mean, you're still uh, talking about it. We picked up the implication. You know, okay, I feel bad. I, I, I don't know anything about the Draymond Chris Paul relationship. Unbelievable. I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to be optimistic here, and and you already nailed Maxime with a well thought out nope. Unfortunately enough, so you don't have to like really. Break All right. Okay. Next, next step or nope? I I um I didn't play the rules either, Maxime. No, no, no. You did. You're supposed to answer them. Um, only because I hope you guys disagree again. We'll start with Maxime. Will J.K. ever be an All Star? Uh, the, Do you see the face that KP just made? I would bet every dollar I have on the answer I think she's going to give. But Maxime, what do you got? I, it breaks my heart to say, but nope. Nope. <sighs> There's too much young talent coming up. <sighs> I'm not going to say anything else to that. I think you guys are wrong, but I have no reason. I, I want to be wrong. wrong. I, I always want to be wrong on stuff like that. I hope well, I'm wrong. I think you we'll know me. this I love year. JK. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if I this will be the last time I'm hoarding JK stock. Yes, you know, like I'm I'm the last person still buying. I'm looking around for people trying to drop it. Um, but if if it we don't really see some major steps in the right direction, I think it's about time to uh, to let go of the he's going to be an all star question. But I guess I guess we'll see. Um, Kristen, thank you. I really appreciate you. I know I'm not alone. For people who need way more Christian Peak or just Utah uh, hiking in their life, where do they go? Do you know what? Before we close, I feel like I need to apologize to my mother, Lydia Peak, because I never told her about the hiking story and me getting lost. So, Mom, I'm fine. I'll stay with the group. Don't worry. I learned my lesson. Love and you. Miss Peak, my, I don't know, whatever it is, monthly apology needs to be put in here. I really, I didn't think I was going to be dropping F-bombs. I enjoy your daughter's interaction so much. It just gets away from me. I apologize. Hopefully I didn't offend you too badly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can read all my stuff on Yahoo Sports. You can follow me on X, I guess it is now, not Twitter. Ugh. X and Instagram at Kristen Peak. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's I got another mock draft drop in. It's officially 2024 NBA mock draft season in September. Shout out to my boy, Greg, who apparently both lives in Utah and listens to the huddle. Uh, actually, one last follow-up. KP, that first hike, the guy followed you back for the three hours. Did he ask you out? Did it, like, was, was there any overt, like, him trying to weaponize that he walked you back to the car? Zero chance. I, like, friend-zoned him immediately. immediately. Like, within the first, like, five minutes? Like, just let yeah. him know. Just so you know, where we're walking to right now is friend-zone because that's where I parked my car. Like, something like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's hella scandalous in case you listen guy i'm sorry man that's messed up although making the move of walking back for three hours was a little bit desperate on your behalf for us you know where to reach us we're on uh, social media sites everywhere um instead of listing those i'll just say if you want to have more from maxime he's joining a space program what next week max i mean where do you know where you're going with that or well i need my couple billion dollars first but yeah then that's next up uh, with that in mind, let's welcome in Matt. Uh, Matt, pleasure seeing you. Um, and the concept for right now is pretty easy. Now that we've somehow talked you into writing for the website, I thought it'd be a good idea, have been thinking it'd be a good idea to introduce you to the audience. And since he just finished up a piece about the schedule, 
now seemed like the opportune time, man. So we appreciate you coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, first time, long time, I guess you could say. I think we both know it makes me feel hell of important when people say that. So I really appreciate it. And then actually, now that I've made that admission to you, I'll give you another one. I'm kind of hoping you're nervous. I'm hoping this like feels like a really big deal and like you're sweating a little bit. Even if that's not true, lie to me. Are you a little nervous? I'm a little nervous and I'm not lying. That's only my, only my second podcast appearance ever. And the first one has nothing to do with sports. <laughs> well, I'll give you a sense if you don't already know it of how crazy and competitive I am. I don't know what that other podcast is, but I hate it now that it's the only other one that you've been on. So I hope you have a much better time doing this one. Um, and before we turn to the schedule, here's a really important question. How does my beard look? I've been, I've been growing it out. And finally look today, like it reached the point where I thought like, okay, it's actually laying down on my face. And now that it's doing that, I think it looks terrible. And I look like a homeless Wolverine and I've been kind of worried about that. What do you think, man? Can I pull this off or what, what are we doing? You got, you got the, uh, the old coach beard book going. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's what I was looking for. That's exactly right. Uh, I, I I was growing out my beard and I, and I was pretty stoked on the length. I thought it felt really good. And then I found out that my wife hated it. And she asked me to trim it back. So <laughs> I might want to check in with the better half. Yeah, I think I'm we, the same way. My wife, my wife wants me to shave it completely. I'm not, no, no, no. I'll, I'll trim it down, but not completely. Yeah. Here's a fun fact. The next time we see Matt, he will not have a beard. And you also need to know, I don't need to check in with Erica, dude. She's letting me, she <laughs> literally today as I left, she's like, so do we have a plan with the beard? And even just that she included the word we, it's like, what do you mean? Do we have a plan? <laughs> also, I will listen to her and this will get shaved. But uh, <laughs> before we get to the schedule, Matt, let's find out a little bit about you, man. Um, how long have you been a Warriors fan? I started following the team. Right around We Believe, I was I was in college at the time, um, and uh, my fraternity house had a big screen TV and uh, appointment viewing uh, NBA playoffs every every night in the basement in the big screen. And we had a bunch of my fraternity brothers were from Dallas, so watching them uh, completely <laughs> fit the nice. pa their pants every game was just awesome. And I was just you know interested in the Warriors ever since. And then they drafted Steph, who I loved. Um, in college because he went to a college that was very close to and very similar to mine. And uh, the rest was kind of history. Um, for the, the We Believe stuff. So you're watching those games. You're surrounded by fraternity brothers who are rooting for Dallas. During that season, are you rooting? I mean, during that series, are you rooting for Dallas outwardly? Did you take oh, that fuck you I'm role? Really and like I'm rooting, rooting for, for the State? Warriors. Yeah, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How did you? So if that's me. If I'm in that fraternity and I'm with you and I'm, I've been a Dallas fan forever and we're not, in, you know, you're not from the Bay area. Right. So like, they're not your go-to team. If I'm in there and you're rooting for my team, getting its ass kicked by the eighth seed and you're like openly and demonstrably being like, yeah, I'm a huge Warriors guy now. I would hate you so much, you know? And so like nicely played, I guess what, what drew you? Why? Just cause they were the underdogs. Yeah. I love a good underdog story. Um, and and especially for uh you know you watch those games and you hear that that oracle crowd how can you not fall in love with that now that you have been following the team for a while you developed a favorite player or least favorite opponent uh favorite player clay gotta be just uh you know not only his personality the weirdness the the scaffolding takes his love of the newspaper and chess um but just the type of player he is i mean um, defense first, uh, but rip your heart out 
can go 37 points in a quarter type offensive player. I mean, it's, it's just so fun to watch. We did a show last week where we talked about the Steph treatment. Um, you know, that we saw him at Paramore and that he has reached a level of celebrity where you can not only get the red carpet rolled out, but where he goes, if he'd like to participate, they'd let him and they'd be very excited to do it. And we all gave the places where we would like to go if we had that kind of treatment. Uh, so I'm going to ask you that, right? If you could go anywhere and you could have the red carpet rolled out and participate, where would it be before you answer? I have been thinking about your answer, uh, Maxime, and I wish I'd pointed this out before. There's a 0.0% chance the Warriors are letting you, or if it was Steph, go to fucking space, dude. They're not, you know, like, there's no way they're just going to be like, yes, they wouldn't let him go skiing. They're not going to let him go into space at some point. Okay, I, I I completely disagree with that. This is not. I feel like Guru brought up some false equivalence with the submarine shit. That stuff was crazy. I would never go in one of those dumbass submarines. But I mean, this is a highly regulated industry. We have not had any issues in a very long time. But but actually, because I still felt that this was the best answer possible. And then my buddy, shout out Adam, texted me, and I said to him, "That's the best. Like this is the best answer." They just didn't get it, and I think he gave me a better answer. He said, "It's been a childhood dream of mine." I want to get written onto the Simpsons. I thought that was like, that's genius. You know, it's, it's like, that's one of the all time shows that you're like immortalized in a completely different dimension of reality. So yeah. I'm surprised you weren't like, I'd like to go inside of a volcano or something. I mean, some other super shady ass idea. The Simpsons one is gold. And I don't, I don't care if we haven't had any space fatalities recently. (laughs) Fucking guru's analogy to the submarine is spot on. Just spot on. 100%. Matt, all right. Weigh in here, dude. I know you're an attorney. Is there (laughs) any chance, any chance the Warriors would allow Steph to go to like SpaceX or NASA? You know, so even if it was a reputable space program, there's no way they're letting him do that. Absolutely not. He probably isn't even allowed to ride a motorcycle, much less a- That's way less safe. Giant rocket. Especially since the rockets now are launched by Russians. I don't think so. <laughs> Dude, he's not. I'm not sure they would like let him travel deep like across the world. Like He's definitely not traveling out of the atmosphere. But uh, with that intel, we go to you, Matt. If it's you, what would you do? Mine's not nearly as cool as getting written out of The Simpsons. I would just... I would use my celebrity to get as much backstage access as possible at every event I go to, you know, Warriors game concerts, you know, you name it. I'm going to be like, don't you know who I am? Let me back there. Let me hang out with whoever I'm coming to see. You had me up until the, don't you know who I am? I I don't know if you want to go. Would you like be wearing your own Jersey in in that, in that approach? Like, fuck everybody. Let me in immediately. Would you take the stage or would it all be kind of behind the scenes? Uh, no one wants to hear me sing. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. All right, let's go to the schedule. Um, and so for those who want to check out Matt's work, and it's phenomenally well done, go to the website, warriorsuttle.com. One of the things on there is Matt's breakdown of the schedule. And we're going to go through some of the highlights of that article now, but it's worth checking out. Uh, and so Matt, let's start here. I know you've looked at the schedule. I know you got a sense of it. Give me an overview take, a broad take. How would you characterize it? You know, is this an easy one, a hard schedule? What do you What do you think? I mean, it's. I think it's hard. I mean, there's the argument of everyone essentially plays the same schedule. Um, 
because there's 82 games and you play, you know, each team in each conference at least twice. And then you've got your, you know, handful of folks that you play against multiple, you know, three or four times. But, you know, the difficulty in the schedule is totally about how how the games line up, how many days are in between them, are they on the road, how many are on the road in a row, that sort of thing. And and the the schedule makers did not do us any favors. I mean, I went through and and if you read the article, you'll see there's five five separate stretches where it's just absolutely brutal. Um and and that's what a six month season. So, you know, about once a month the Warriors are gonna be, you know, in in some dogfights. So, yeah, it's definitely a tough, tough schedule. I'm glad we landed there because, Maxime, when I first asked him, how would you, you know, characterize this? And his answer is, well, Bram, they all play 82 games against the same fucking teams, and they all have the same amount of home games and road games. Made me feel a little bit like an asshole, but we got there. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, the way I view schedules, because, of course, you're right. Everybody has to play these same teams. That's not the thing that shifts. But back-to-backs can shift. Road stretches can shift. When those road stretches happen can shift. There's a lot of things the NBA schedule makers can control, maybe even more than we really think about, you know? Um, And so with that in tow, let's weaponize that. Back-to-backs, how many are we looking at? We're looking at 15, which is the the most in the league. And this is the second year year in a row. Yeah. which is, you know, not the best for a team that is a little bit older and especially not the best for a team that just got older with CP3. Um, I, when I was still gambling the NBA and, you know, random pro tip, don't. <laughs> Betting the NBA is a surefire way to lose money. But one of the the phrases that used to get thrown around all the time was scheduled loss. And what they were talking about is the second half of a back-to-back. People who bet money for a living have already determined that back-to-backs are the quickest recipe for getting fucked, you know, and that the Warriors have 15 of them and the most for the second consecutive year isn't the best. Uh, The other call-out I had, and I didn't prep you for this, so if you don't have the number, don't worry about it. But do you know how many nationally televised games they have this year? Yeah, no, I don't. I didn't didn't really look at that. Um, I mean, to me, this team is a veteran team. They know what they're doing. I don't think they. I don't think uh, a nationally televised game is changing their approach to anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I if there's anything we could say about it, well, objectively, because I think they're towards the top, if not at the top of the nationally televised um, games list. And if nothing else, that tells you, you know, national interest, man. That that it's not just the Bay Area who wants to see these guys play. And I agree with you. I don't think a team that has four titles under his belt, you know, looks at the bright lights of TNT any differently, but it might give a little motivation, you know, for a team that may get tired of 82 games and is looking forward to the 16, maybe they, they like the idea of they're on ESPN or with that TNT crew. Um, all right. Next portion, hardest stretch of the season. I heard what you said that that article breaks down five of them. What's the nastiest part? The close that last month of the season, if we're in any sort of fight for seeding or to stay out of the plan or even make the plan, uh, we might be fucked. Uh, we've got uh, only six of the last 17 games are at home um, and 11 of the teams at, at least 11 are probably going to be fighting for seeding, fighting for play in. Um, and you know, one thing I noted with this schedule is that um, 
we played New Orleans on the second night of a back-to-back uh, multiple times. And and this is the seventh uh, time that we've played them on the second night of a back-to-back since the 2021-2022 season. So something about the NBA, whoever makes the NBA schedule really wants us to fucking lose to the Pelicans. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's a Warriors fan who knows that Zion will most likely be hurt for every one of those games and, and trying to give us some kind of uh, some kind of shot through. Um, it's unfortunate that that stretch happens at the back of the year because you'd like to think then that they'd have a little bit of leeway to rest some guys. Uh, and if it's going to be a huge press on the road against teams they have to beat, it may not be that way. Uh, next question might trigger the same response, but I'll throw it towards you. What do you consider to be the most important stretch of the year? I actually think the, that opening 10 days is going to be the the most important stretch because, um, you know, we have our, we open at home, but then we hit uh, seven of eight or the next seven and eight are on the road. And if this team has any semblance of the road struggles they had last year, um, we could be digging ourselves in a hole that because of that, that, that ending stretch, we just can't dig out of, um, you know, the, the whole purpose of this offseason seemed to be to fix the chemistry issues. And I think this, um, these opening 10 days from, you know, October 24th to November 14th or however many days that is, um, that's going to be, that's going to be the real litmus test of are these chemistry issues fixed or are we back right where we were last year? Yeah, sure. I, I hope that it'll be optimistic, but I guess we'll find out together. Uh, Maxine, what games are you looking forward to? Right, so like the the main conversation we have with schedules, the way that like Bonte and the boys do it is, you know, what games do you really want to see? What are the five most important games? Don't give me most important. We just heard the stretch. Um, what are the teams or the games or the moments you're looking forward to now that we know how it plays out? Well, Kevin Durant still hasn't played again uh, at Chase Center since he left the team, and they're making sure it happens with the opening night game. Not to mention you get Chris Paul now playing against his former team because remember Kevin Durant is on the Suns now. So I think there's like a lot of juicy intrigue happening there. They're making sure that Kevin comes back um, to actually play us instead of being injured or having some other reason. I mean, who knows? He'll probably be able to get out of it somehow, but I'm looking forward to that one. Who does it mean more to? We'll never know. We'll never get a real answer. But, you know, between CP3 going back against Phoenix and KD coming back into Golden State, who do you think wants that win more between those two guys? Oh, Kevin Durant, 100%. Uh, really? CB, Why? Yeah, CB3 has so many reasons to uh, not be overly concerned about it. He wasn't on the Suns for all of that long, whereas Kevin has been essentially, from Warriors fans' perspective, shirking the uh, responsibility of playing against his former team. He has so much baggage having won championships here and nowhere else. It's definitely a difficult uh, narrative for him to be combating, and it's now been built up over years. CP3 is going to get out of the way, regardless of whether if it goes bad, he can blame it on, oh, it's new lineups, we haven't figured everything out, there's still ongoing conversations, you coaching energy, uh, whereas Kevin Durant has nothing he can hide behind. You are fucking crazy. All right, well, here, here's why I think you're crazy. Um, two possible ends to a relationship. In one relationship, I leave. It's not working out. You know, I mean, I, I tell her it's me, not you, but like I leave, right? Next one, she leaves. I get broken up with, okay? In those two relationship settings, when I see them the next time, how I feel, completely different. If if I'm the person who broke up when I see them, awkward, weird, I want it to go well, but there's not real pressure. I'm the one who ended it. If 
I was the one who got broken up with and I see them again. Do you know how fucking successful I want to seem? How badly I need to like, oh no, this is this is supposed to happen. I'm doing great. Kevin left us. Worked out fine. We don't give a shit. We Did won it? another title and it was, it was, oh. you know, we're okay. Whereas the Suns left CP3. You know, they didn't even trade him, dude. They fucking cut him. Um, and so just from that, and this is just me projecting, but just from that, between the two, Kevin going back to the team he left versus CP3 seeing the team that cut him. I think this means I don't, I don't think Paul will ever say it. But I think this means the world to him right from the jump. Literally that first game. What do you think, Matt? Who who cares more? Bram, I know you love it when guests suck up to you, but I'm going to have to agree with you on this Let's one. Go. Oh, I mean, no. <laughs> CP3 is the most petty NBA player in my lifetime, except for maybe Jordan. <laughs> I mean, the guy, the guy called out someone's shirt tail from being untucked to try and win a game. Um, he got... He he shows up in Phoenix. They go from trash to the finals. And then as soon as convenient for them, they cut him loose. He's going to be so mad and so ready for revenge against that team. I, I mean, so you're right. I do love it when people suck up to me and it's not limited to guests. So I really appreciate you saying that. The um, I mean... We know how petty KD can be too, you know? I mean, this show's specific. We may or may not have cut emails from his burner and the uh, stories from, you know, Connor Letourneau in the locker room. Um, but I, I feel pretty good about this analysis. Have we talked you out of it, Maxime? Are you, uh, you no, and, and on top of it all, Matt just said he doesn't, you know, he acknowledged that he's sucking up to you. So I, I'm not even sure that he's saying that the take that he, he said, believes. But okay, You're not listening. Sure. He <laughs> said, but actually he just, he was just acknowledging that and then transitioned in and you're just getting ugly now. I mean, I don't know why you have to make it personal in any way. Well, I, if you don't want to listen, that's up to you. <laughs> well, I heard what I heard. <laughs> the tape speaks for itself. The other game I'm looking forward to, the theme being, what does this mean to them? Uh, Jordan Poole's return. The Warriors play Washington on December 22nd. Uh, and, I mean, you know, we don't have to explain why we're excited to see Draymond and Jordan Poole reface off. Add him to the mix. Don't go all the way through the uh, the analysis again. But if our three, you know, jilted lovers are JP, CP3, and KD, who wants to win the most? Does does Jordan Poole head the list for you, Maxime, or is it still KD? That's a that's a tricky question. Is I feel like Jordan Poole knows that his team is going to get smoked, and so he's going to be in his head on so many different levels that he might be already admitting defeat internally before it even starts and actually might end up having a like piss poor game over under falls during the warmups. I put it at <laughs> one and a half done, uh, jokes. No, not to take any more shots at JP uh, Matt. What's the game you're looking forward to? You know, I think that first game at OKC, the first NBA cup game, I, that, that one really interests me because you got OKC, this young team that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, those in the know are saying, hey, watch out. You know, they made the plan last year. They've got Shea. They've got Giddy. Uh, you got Chet Holmgren coming back from injury. And and now you've added the recipe of uh, of the NBA Cup. You know, are, are our guys going to be up for this? Or is this young team, young, hungry team going to say, hey, this is a chance to punch uh punch the bully in the mouth and 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 take it from us so uh, it'll be interesting to see it'll be a good litmus test uh to see whether you know these players actually care about this nba cup or not 
SGA has also been dominating at the World Cup. Um, and it's the kind of thing that a young, basically already superstar needs to just catapult him forward. And so I'm expecting a gigantic season from them. Uh, I'll add another one. Same idea. First game against Sacramento, November 1st, pretty early. You know, we were coming off a, a nasty series with them and just having them be back in the building. We'll be excited. And then the other one I'm looking forward to is Christmas. Christmas versus the champs more specifically. So if if things go the way I'd like them to, right about then, right about Christmas is when I'm hoping the Warriors know who they are. They've got their rotation set. This whole, you know, you coaching stuff is gone. All the locker room questions have been answered. And then we get our litmus test against the champs. You know, let's let's see what we look like at that time. So it's another game I'm fired up for. Any other ones? What other what other schedule moments should we be excited for? Well, we're going to poop the bed on Christmas. Just calling that right now. Why? We tend to poop the bed in general on Christmas. I mean, this is not a good matchup for us. Jokic is only going to come back. I mean, the dude is still in, in the prime, and and he's the uh, an absolute destroyer against a very small Warriors team. I, I don't see that us having any answers for him. I think Jamal Murray is going to come back better. And I don't know what it is. Every once in a while, we've had a good game on Christmas. But by and large, they've been stinkers. Are you worried more about the day or the team? Is it is it Christmas? You know, because of what you're saying, it's the history, and they just tend to not show up on that day. Or are you worried about Denver specific? Well, I mean, I'm worried about both. I do think it's a it's primarily superstition on my part because I'm a homer. I'm going to believe that we can beat anybody, including the champs, and I do think that that's possible um, given a seven game series. But that's a perfect opportunity for us to just crap the bed. Yeah. How about you, Matt? Any other games out there? I think that February 2nd game in Memphis is going to be really interesting because, you know, Ja will be back, you know, for a few weeks at that point. So Memphis will probably be settling into kind of what they'll, you know, they'll look like final form. Um, And it's the start of a tough road trip and it's a few days before the trade deadline. So, you know, if that road trip gets off to an ass kicking, um, you know, if we're delivering the ass kicking, you know, it might change what we do at the trade li- deadline. If we're the ones receiving the ass kicking, which to be honest, we tend to do in, in Memphis, unfortunately, um, you know, that could also change what happens at the trade deadline with us. Uh, you know, especially when it comes to CP three, that, that contract is pretty easily movable. So you heard it here first. Yeah. I'm, We'll, we'll explore the possible CP3 trade. Hopefully we won't explore the possible CP3 trades. Hopefully this whole thing plays out. Instead, I'll go in a different direction. You either reminded me or taught me something. I'm not sure. But the NBA Cup, is that what the in-season tournament is being referred to? Is that like the go-to name? Yeah, the NBA Cup. That is uh, a pretty shitty name. Marketing <laughs> genius over there. <laughs> uh, let's turn this into a yep or nope segment. Or is the NBA Cup a good idea? Yep. Why? It's going to take some time, but I have faith in it. I think there's a lot of of things going well for it, mainly that we have other instances where we're seeing success. I mean, obviously, the the main um, comparison is in sort of the Euro League and their in-season tournaments. I think there are opportunities here. There's no history to it yet, so of course we don't care. But the first Larry O'Brien trophy didn't have any. It wasn't even called that, right? But it didn't have that same history. Um, and now it really does. I think over time, it's the type of thing, it's the perfect opportunity for for a team that's sort of feeling itself out to get a win in. And you're going to, as soon as one team starts getting additional recognition, I think you're going to get, all these dudes are hyper competitive. I think it's something that's going to actually add a lot of intrigue into the season. I like stakes. 
I just like there to be stakes. I mean, you know, if if I was at a YMCA and two people were playing 21 and you came over and told me, hey, they're playing for $50,000, I care. I'll watch. You know, even though I know nothing about them, even if the game is shitty, I'm like, whoa, really? You've got my attention. You add stakes to something I already care about? NBA basketball? Sure, let's go. You know, I'm not, it's not uh, appointment TV. It's not like, you know, playoff level excitement, but sure, it feels like a good idea. They could get a better name, but I like the concept. Well, and, and uh, that's actually, you know, just, uh, and then Matt, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, but when you think about these star players, the Steph Curry's of the world, you know, um, uh, the Jalen Browns of the world who have these mega contracts, does 50K really mean a lot to them in the grand scheme of things? And no, but there's a lot of people at the ends of these benches for whom this money really does matter. And so you could get into some interesting things where like it's actually the second units that are going all out. Um, it could be really fun to see that sort of seeding the floor to the players that might need the money more. I wish they had made it a team advantage. I think they considered this and decided not to do it. But, you know, like an extra uh, mid-level exception or, you know, the salary cap doesn't hit your team in the same way. Something that the teams could have gotten really excited for and give front offices, coaches, the people who kind of direct the team real reason to care. Because uh, I'm not sure if money is going to have that same, if those will be the stakes the Steph Curry's of the world to care about. You know what I mean? Um, but we'll see. We'll see. And I, and I remember Mike Dunleavy, what, a few weeks ago saying, oh, no, we care about it. Our boys are fired up. So who knows if he's full of shit, but he at least thinks it. Matt, what do you think? You excited for the NBA Cup? I think it's a good idea for kind of three reasons. First, uh, you know, the one thing the league needs to do is they need to shorten the schedule. You know, 82 games is way too long. Um, and if you can kind of, you know, with the TV partners kind of rejigger the schedule and the and the owners and kind of, you know, reduce the regular season games and kind of pull these NBA Cup games out separately and kind of set them aside and reduce the load on all these players, then you eliminate a lot of the load management problem. You eliminate injury risks, that that sort of stuff. And this could be the, the doorway into that. And, uh, second reason, um, selfishly for the Warriors, like you said, Bram, it adds stakes. You know, this team's won four titles. Um, are they really going to care about a normal October, November, December game that much? No, they're not. But if you add the NBA Cup, maybe they will. And and maybe that could be, you know, in this season when the West is loaded, um, you know, they care about three, four more games. They win those four games. And, you know, that four, those four wins could be the difference between uh, a 10 seed and a five seed. Sure. Uh, so, and then lastly, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, with Mac, what Maxime talked about with the second units coming out, you know, in, in, the in English football, they've got the Carabao Cup, which is traditionally where the big teams like the Arsenals, the Man Cities, you know, they play their younger players to give them some experience. It'll be interesting to see if the NBA Cup kind of turns into that as, um, you know, you see your two-way players and maybe they they set it up so you can bring a couple more G League guys up and get them some experience at the big club, that sort of thing. I, I'd really like to see that. Thank God Marcus is not here. We'd have to hear a whole bunch of soccer <laughs> follow-up takes, uh, and he's not. So, MT, if you're listening, f you, buddy. I will not be asking any follow-up questions on that. Matt, appreciate you, man. Um, I, they, the schedule piece is not the first one you put up, but it's the first one we were able to explore publicly here. And I really urge everyone out there listening to go check it out. For people who need far more Matt Anderson in their life, where do they go? 
Yeah, uh, at Anderson MT09 at pretty much every all the socials. So just find me there. Well, um, you want to find us, you can find us at our new website, terriblebeard.com. It's pretty good. Uh, check it out at your leisure. That in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully we'll see you real soon. Good, good. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.